Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Welcome back, everyone, to the Fantasy Pros Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by Reality Sports Online. I'm your host, Scott Bogman. Follow me on the Twitter at Bogman Sports. I'm joined, as always, by Pat Fitzmorris at Fitz underscore FF. Pat, what is going on, my friend? We are now a month away from the draft, Bogman. I'm starting to get officially excited Yeesh. and uh, even more so when I see who we have as a guest this week. Yes, on the show this week is Matt Waldman. You can find him on the Twitter at Matt Waldman. He is uh, writing rookie scouting profile. He has been doing that since 2006. He's a football guy, senior staff writer, and I have been excited to talk to him for a while. I buy your rookie scouting profile every year, Matt, so I'm excited to finally get to talk to you. Matt, how are you doing? Is your brain functioning right now? Is it all panicky because the draft is only a month away and this is what you work all year towards how how are you handling things right now i think i got it out of this glass this morning <laughs> so i think we're okay now but uh but everything's good the, the book's written i just have to go through the editing so i'm i'm editing the chapters and should be able to put it together for april 1st in its 17th year so yeah i mean it's nice that you know this is kind of the first show that i'm doing before um publishing the publishing it so you know it's always great to be able to catch up with the fantasy pros and catch up with pat and you and it's this is going to be a lot of fun yeah it's exciting and today on the show we will be covering quarterbacks and running backs in this draft class to get uh matt's opinion on them and see what we think about them but before we dive in to all the action i gotta tell you guys that we have a giveaway for javante williams autographed jersey right now all you need to do is subscribe to our youtube channel that's youtube.com slash fantasy pros take a screenshot submit it to fantasypros.com slash dynasty contest that's fantasypros.com slash dynasty contest and you are entered in to win do it as soon as possible this contest ends at the end of March, so make sure you are getting that in. Uh, one more thing to plug here for us, check out our Discord. Our Discord is free to enter, but Premium Fantasy Pro subscribers get a whole bunch of other perks, like dozens of extra channels, regularly scheduled AMAs, and interactive voice chats with our analysts Want to talk fantasy whenever you uh, want or chat with some fantasy pros analysts? Just check out the Discord at fantasypros.com slash chat. Again, that's fantasypros.com slash chat. And uh, just so everybody knows, because I keep forgetting to plug it 
on this show. I do a stages every single Monday night at 8 Eastern for an hour to talk whatever you guys want. I, I obviously cover fantasy football here for Fantasy Pros. I cover fantasy baseball here as well, and uh, I've been doing that since 2014, football and baseball, uh, since 2014 with the Welsh for In This League. So uh, if you guys want to ch check that out, I'll be there to answer questions every single Monday night. So let's dive into this, Matt. Uh, we've got a lot of opinions on these quarterbacks and they seem to have changed wildly in the pre-draft um you know the pre-draft process here it seemed like Kenny Pickett at the end of the season was for sure a number one right then during the process it's Malik Willis but there are other quarterbacks that people like I know a lot of people said that Matt Corral had the best uh senior bowl because he was the only quarterback not there so when we're tearing day one QBs who would be in that day one QB, uh, uh, you know, tier for you, Matt? Yeah, and certainly this is this is the fun part here. This is why the rookie <laughs> scouting portfolio has a pre-draft and post-draft. Because with the pre-draft, I don't pay attention to pretty much everything that you just talked about that leads up to to it. Like to That's me, good. I call it the draft soap opera. Like for <laughs> you know, the draft soap opera is what college commentators have to say, what media has to say. Are you telling me you don't care what Chris Sims top five wide receivers are? Come on. Who's Chris Sims? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay. But did no, he play for the favorite. Titans or, or, he, or the he, Buccaneers for a cup of coffee? Yeah. No. Yeah. Buccaneers, great. Right? You know, great college quarterback. I mean, I'm know. a Texas fan, so I don't like him that much, yeah. but you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, great college quarterback, but yeah, I don't really pay attention to that stuff. And, and part of it is, is that I want to be able to focus solely on talent and, and because draft capital is its own entity, right? Draft capital is one of those things that can infiltrate a talent evaluator's perspective. And you say, well, everyone seems to be talking about, you know, player X, then therefore I, I have to somehow influence myself to give him a grade that's high enough to be in this range. Whereas what I prefer to do is go, what does the tape look like? And the guy can have a low grade and it doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter to me. Then draft capital will influence opportunity. And then I have to say, well, He's going to get the opportunity. It's kind of like the guy who yes. went to, it's like the guy who went to Yale and like partied the whole time. Um, but because he went to Yale, he has the networks and the, and his uncle owns a major mega corporation. Um, he's going to get to start in as a client services director, as opposed <laughs> to actually getting an entry level job. So at that point you have to grade him on the fact that he's going to get opportunities and maybe more opportunities to screw up and eventually succeed than someone who might be vastly more talented, but went to a community college and has to work their way up and may never get to the same place to have the opportunities that the, that the, that the hooked in guy got, you know? So that's kind of how I look at it. So this class you know, when we come into like this top tier, you, you know, for me, from what it looks like, guys like, you know, like you said, Corral, Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, Sam Howell, those are probably the guys that are getting the the biggest play as possible round one, early round two players. Um, half of those guys are not going to be draftable for me. Um, when I recommend the fantasy players at all. And I, and I, and I will just say that none of them are even my top two quarterbacks in this class. 
Wow. Okay. So who are your top two QBs then? If it's not the five popular guys? Well, I'm gonna say I'm gonna give you one of them. Okay. And then the other one you guys can get at the rookie scouting portfolio. I've already bought it. Yeah. So I'll, I'll so, get it next so week. So you'll get so. it. But because the other one, the other one, I'll just say is in an anomaly tier. He probably won't even be anything more than a day three prospect. But I do know people connected to real football who had after I had this high grade on him that really liked him but there just wasn't enough tape in terms of production the way scouts look at production that probably would have merited a first day pick but he's someone that is that that is fascinating and I've profiled on my site Carson Strong to me is the best quarterback in this class and he played basically on one leg this entire year and his grade was better than than the guys who were essentially playing on two healthy legs. Um, and the reason is, is that for me, when you look at the quarterback position, more and more it's become apparent to me that it's about um, really processing information on an intuitive level. And what that means is that think of performance, whether you're a stand-up comedian, whether you're an actor, whether you're a musician, you you have to be able to be in that moment and integrate all the different theories of stage performance and comedy or, or acting and different types of theory that you learned about what you do along with whatever physical skills that are involved in those, in those crafts, along with what's happening that you're interacting with. Right. And to be able to piece all those disparate things together into a coherent solution that's going to reach the goal that you want it to have. And that's that's not an intellectual process. Part of it is. But the, that that one thing that I'm talking about is an intuitive process. And then it's about the speed in which you can execute that with the timing that you need, which is really a level of confidence. And so what where i think the nfl and where we as media have gotten wrong is we have all these robo quarterbacks you know now they've added speed to the robo quarterback um prototype but the prototype is they have to be a certain height they have to be a certain weight they have to have a certain arm strength they have to go to a certain school and they have to have a certain amount of production for a certain number of years and they, then they have to jump through all these hoops and show so that what you're they, saying they interview is well you don't really like that um you know they have to meet x y z marker you don't like that stuff that that a lot of the scouts do it's, it's a baseline to me it should be a baseline like yeah you need to have enough to say you, he's tall enough to ride the ride or he he can right. you know but they get to the point where more is always better i don't care if you run a 4240 and you can throw the ball 80 you know 80 yards with velocity if you can't read a defense and you can't read it fast enough, Alex Smith had some of the greatest workouts you'd ever see. He was the greatest resume prototype quarterback that you ever heard of. But scouts consistently gave him fourth and fifth round grades, um, you know, but he got pumped up so much by the media that GMs and this is documented that there were the Rams GM literally got into a fight with his scouts because <laughs> he was, he basically wanted them to regrade two years of tape with a hit clip of 20 highlight plays um, because they, he wanted them to substantiate his desire, his desire to pick him in the first round number one overall when they had Jeff Smoker higher than him, you know, I, yeah, Jeff Smoker. Wow. Michigan that's State. Wow, that's going a name I have not thought of in a while. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I like that call. Man. So, so yeah. So the, the, and I'll just wrap it up real quick is that, that, you know, all those things are important, but there's too much importance put on them because they haven't figured out yet how to really look at 
the intuitive decision-making that's required and all the factors that go into that. And then, and then that speed of comfort, they think that if we get the vessel, then we can fill it with, with that intrinsic thing when really it's about how do we objectify the intrinsic characteristics well enough so that it's no longer an intrinsic characteristic. Uh, I mean, uh, Carson Strong, it, it, he is a good QB. I worry, like you said, about the, the one leg. He also seems a little bit uh, like a statue back there. Is that just, uh, ca- can he move? Like when this knee gets healthy, do you think he can move? And it, does it matter that he's a statue as long as he can manipulate the pocket? I mean, obviously for fantasy, you know, we the fantasy community, we like the guys like Willis and Howell and Corral because they're going to take off and run. Uh, a ton can Carson strong uh, he I don't think he's ever going to offer a lot of running but is his movement enough just to what you want from a quarterback you don't really want that quarterback taking off that often so it's just enough to to manipulate the the pocket and just enough you know for him to move around right that's all we want yeah listen listen you know the yardage is nice in fantasy because you can get a Jalen Hurts who is still developing as a thrower but still give you top 10 production because he can run but at the end of the day when you're looking for guys who can play the quarterback position at a high level and who has the the safest opportunity to do so um Ben Roethlisberger Philip Rivers Peyton Manning Tom Brady um Drew Brees to an extent who was pretty mobile but you can mention those guys the reason that some of those guys on that list declined the way they did had nothing to do with the fact that they were immobile. It had the fact to do that their arms were starting to fail them. Right. Um, yeah. You know, but Tom Brady's still going strong and still put up unbelievable production. <laughs> um, you know, as a result of that, the it thing didn't is, take him is like tw- 20 years to get to 500 rushing yards or whatever uh, yeah, he's at be- for his career. Yeah. Because here's the thing. <laughs> Mobility isn't about how much you can run. It's actually about whether you can avoid pressure. And right. Dan Marino was the absolute best at that, who could play in this era easily. Um, because let's let's he might, face he, it, you'd be better in this era, I think. Yeah, because guess what? They protect quarterbacks more now, so you don't even have to be as mobile as they state. Um, it's just that it's easier to develop players who aren't as gifted conceptually at the old school art of quarterbacking. So now you leverage their legs more or you allow them to be a little more improvisational, but you got to really, it's about the vision to, to perceive where pressure is coming, not overreact to it because a guy like Kenny Pickett's a good example of a guy with certain types of pressure. He sees a flash of color and he completely overreacts, reacts and creates more pressure. Baker Mayfield's a Mofield mobile guy and he created more pressure than he avoided (laughs) because of his mobility and his inability to do the things that Carson Strong does which is make small subtle movements that can avoid pressure and stay in a position to keep your eyes downfield and get the ball out quick and that's a gift that's a bigger gift than being able to run you know figure eights around the, the backfield and avoid multiple defenders because how many plays in a game are you actually going to be able to keep a um, play alive for six to eight seconds? Um, maybe once or twice a season out of the most mobile quarterback. And it shows they show the highlight over and over again as if that's every play. But it's right. usually one out of about 450. Yeah, yeah. So you you did just you rattle off a bunch of guys that are good and didn't have a lot of mobility. Is there one and I don't know if this is something you do that much, but is there one comp that you would give Carson Strong in terms of a quarterback that you watched in the past that had a similar skill set? 
Um, or is he kind of a blend of, of some of these guys? I, I tend to do a spectrum of players, but sometimes they, you know, one player really stands out. And I'd say Carson Strong is a more technically proficient version of Philip Rivers. Okay. Um, and think of peak Philip Rivers when when he had a great team around him. He was a top fantasy quarterback. And then he went to stretch where he had nothing around him and he yeah. was still <laughs> a top 10 quarterback for a long time. Um, yeah. I think Carson Strong has the ability to be that guy provided that the knee doesn't sink his draft capital. So if the if the medicals come back and they say, listen, this is going to blow up any moment like Jayajai's draft capital, right. and we don't know, and he's drafted after the fourth round, then yeah, he's going to go down in my post-draft. Right, right now, though, based on ability, he is the safest pick of the guys in this class. And there, and there are not many that are far behind. There are two that are very close and Corral and, and Pickett are those two that are very close behind him. Before we get to those guys, Pat, uh, how much Carson Strong have you watched? And uh, obviously, uh, Matt giving us the breakdown here um, makes him a little more intriguing to me. Well, now I want to go back and watch more because I've noticed the arm strength. I've watched enough yeah. to know that he does have one of the better hoses in this class. Can't but teach that. Right. Yeah. I've, um, I, but I want to go back and look for some of the, uh, like Brett Favre pocket agility that Matt is talking about, where he's not necessarily a fast quarterback and a, a guy who's going to get out and pick up yards with his feet, but a guy who's going to make those subtle movements to duck you know, an oncoming pass rusher and buy time for himself. So that like, I want to go back and, and check some of the tape on that to, to spot it for myself since it didn't jump out to me, but I do not have Matt's uh, gimlet scouting eye either. So <laughs> that's probably it. Matt, there is something I want to ask you though. Like, it sounds like you're talking about, um, you know, like falling in love with Strong's processing ability. Like, are there some of these guys Maybe in that top five, the the Willis, um, I, I guess not Pickett or Corral, since you were talking about those guys as other guys you like, but maybe uh, Willis, Ritter, Howell, who's processing you worry about. Uh, all three of them um, yeah. to various degrees, um, to the extent that um, Desmond Ritter, to me, doesn't understand the difference between what is a safe throw and a dangerous throw. Um, and it's and all that comes down to reading leverage. And that's the. And so when you look at a guy like Strong or Corral or to a certain extent Pickett with a lot of things for the first, say, three and a half quarters of his game, um, they are very good at being able to understand seeing the moment where they need to anticipate the throw and where that needs to be placed. And they and they do a good job of pre-snap, post-snap processing. With that, they can mi manipulate defenses. They can move away from defenses and 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 make those types of throws. But when you look at a guy like Ritter, he has the gun. You know, he has that hose of an arm. He can move great. He's got all the physical characteristics you want to look for. But he basically is worse than Jordan Love and Drew Locke in terms of his ability to understand what is open and what is not open. And those are two guys I didn't like. Um, who were highly rated for their robo prototype quarterback, you know, physical abilities that they thought empty vessel pour in the intrinsic intrinsic characteristics that that just doesn't happen that way. And when I look at Ritter, I just repeatedly that's the issue I see is that he may and these guys are to me they're the roller coaster quarterbacks. They're the guys that they get drafted early because of the characteristics I mentioned. 
they look good for the first eight to 12 games because defenses aren't game planning against them until they've gotten enough scouting tape and, and they start to gradually filter things in. And then once they start to figure out things they can put into the game plan, that's when they start to quote unquote regress because now defenses have said, we know what we can do to try and slow you down or stop you. So let's see if you can overcome it. And they can't. And then that's when you see like two and a half, three seasons later, they're getting benched and they're, or they're not getting their contracts renewed. Jared Goff. Um, yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> uh, for, for the two guys that you do like, uh, Pickett and Corral, how much meat is on the bone there? And is this, um, is this a process where you would like to see these guys come in and sit and learn behind a veteran QB for a couple of years and, and then play, or do you think there's enough there for them to earn a starting role early in their NFL career? Maybe even this season. Well, I'm an, I'm, you know, I joke that I'm an, I'm a backwards idealist. So the idea of it is, is that I'd like all quarterbacks mostly to sit in, in most occasions because I think they need it, but that's been rushed into them. But if there are two guys that, you know, they, they'll muddle their way through the season after the te- defenses start to adjust to them. I think Corral is the best equipped, not because he is the most academically inclined. Kenny Pickett's got the whiteboard knowledge that's going to impress everybody in an interview. But when it comes to, comes time to basically integrate what happens on the field, things that, things that happen that you can't rehearse, um, but you need to be able to have the awareness and the ability to kind of fuse all those skills together and make plays corrals, the best equipped, um, you know, and it's because of the combination of the physical and how he sees things and how he can create quick, quick, quick solutions in terms of with his footwork and how he handles pressure. Pickett, I think will be more up and down. He'll be more Kirk cousins, like in Kirk cousins career early on in Washington, where he could have games where he throws four or five picks and you wonder if he knows um, if he's on a football field, and then he'll have games where he looks like he's fantastic, just like Cousins was early in his Ooh. career. Um, but the thing with Pickett that concerns me and why I'd like to have him a little bit more time is that in three and a half quarters of play, you'll see this. I saw this against Miami, um, Virginia, um, against North Carolina, and one other team where he'll make – plays that are befitting of the first quarterback that you would pick in any draft for three and a half quarters. And then in that final half quarter, he will make mistakes that he never made, you know, like the the same types of plays and the pressure and that moment and what defenses are trying to do. He won't recognize open players that he needed to target. He'll throw into spots that he shouldn't throw into. He'll make inaccurate placements that he didn't do before and be ba- have to be bailed out by his teammates or wind up losing the games. And I, I'm more concerned about that as a long-term thing for him. Um, but I would say both those guys will show up pretty well early. So if we're tearing for pre-draft fantasy purposes, which I'm so with you in terms of, you know, ranking these guys before the process, before the actual draft in, for fantasy value, I think is almost worthless. You know what I mean? Like you, you can, you can do it, but uh landing spot, it just brings so much context. And like you said, draft round, obviously, because if you're a first round pick, you're going to get way more chances and opportunities. Even if you get cut, someone will take a flyer on you eventually in your NFL career because you were drafted so high because other evaluators saw the, you know, meat on the bone. Um, 
But so for pre-draft processes, I would say your first here would be strong corral picket. Then your second would be Willis Ritter. And how is there anybody else to put in that second group? That's a good question. And I would say that, you know, corral and picket are your safest. Um, strong is the guy that you're hoping drops to the second or third round and really the third round, maybe even the fourth round and you can get them there. That would be nice. Yeah. But Corral and Pickett are only two guys that I would want in the early round. Um, and then I would say after that, you want to look at guys like Bailey Zappi um, okay. and then maybe Howell. Um, I like those two guys in my second tier as players with starter upside. Um, I would not put any, I would not put Willis or um, Desmond Ritter in my second tier. In fact, um, the way I have them rated is that um, until you find where their fit is, I'm not drafting them. I don't I don't really particularly care for any of the other quarterbacks in this class uh, outside of this top group that we've mentioned here. Um, do you have any love for Cone or Crum or Purdy or any of these other guys? Or do you are these all like, you know, I mean, preseason bodies pretty much. I like I like Bailey Zappi. I think Cole Kelly's interesting. Zappi is has the opportunity in an, in the right type of offense to be a you know, maybe not Drew Brees at that level, because obviously he was an all-time great, but to become a a plus journeyman, you know, okay. like Ryan Fitzpatrick has had some good seasons, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I think yeah. Bailey Zappi could be that type of player. There's something there with him in terms of how he um, manages pressure, the accuracy, the arm that, you know, you're going to hear from the senior bowl that is miles per hour was great on the throws. Um but there's different types of arm velocity and the fact that zebra technologies had to recalibrate from one year to the next tells me there's something a little funky going on there um, <laughs> that I wouldn't quite trust. And we have to, but I think in the right system, Zappy's a guy who can challenge you vertically and in the wide horizontal spaces of the sidelines to be able to move the ball up and down the field and be productive. Uh, Pat, your, your thoughts here. Yeah, interesting on the well, first of all, I agree that the uh, miles per hour on the throws is wasn't it Deshaun Watson a few years ago, people were questioning the the MPH that he was generating <laughs> in some of the works workouts like it wouldn't hot uh, gun, hot gun, yeah, like a spring training you know, gun right there, right? They were worried that it wasn't going to call the attention of a, a sheriff's deputy if that ball was sailing past <laughs> him. Uh, and, you know, the radar gun was trained on it. So it's kind of interesting. Like I, I was just checking the props on DraftKings as far as how many quarterbacks are, are predicted to go in the first round, and the the line is two and a half. But the money on the the odds are tilted toward the over with minus one ninety, uh, minus two hundred on the over. So they think it's going to be three, and you're seeing Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett routinely mocked into the first round. But then there's no other quarterback who consistently appears in the first rounds of mocks. So um like Matt and it'll be four Pat like it, I I think it could be yeah I think like it'll I, be four because NFL teams become QB desperate and, and they'll trade back up uh or you know trade back a couple closing spots. time at happy hour man yep that's and exactly effect and, right. and prior and uh who's there at closing time but the Lions late in the first round so like it wouldn't <laughs> surprise me if uh 
you know, they overlooked the fact that uh, Matt Corral got into a fight with Wayne Gretzky's son in his first high school. <laughs> I was just reading about that last night for the first oh, time. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I guess if you're going to uh, Matt Corral's draft night party, do not wear an Edmonton Oilers jersey or a L.A. Kings jersey. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it seems like Corral is a guy and, and now hearing Matt sort of give a, a you know tentative stamp of approval, it seems like he might be a guy who could slide into the back of the first round for sure. Well, Tomlin, because uh, I'm a Steelers fan, so I, I I follow all the draft stuff there. And Tomlin was uh, sidling up next to Matt Corral and asking him a bunch of questions at the pro day, and that got all the Steelers Twitter a buzz about is he the actual guy? Because the Steelers have done this before, where they'll talk about someone pre-draft and then draft somebody else, and all the talk is Malik Willis right now. And then, uh, but but before that, it was Kenny Pickett because Kenny Pickett went to Pittsburgh, he played at Heinz Field, and now everyone's talking about Matt Corral. So I bet you they take a you know Devonte Wyatt or somebody and don't even bother with a quarterback this year but uh but we'll see um before we go to running backs Matt any any other quarterbacks you want to like you know throw a little uh you know uh love for or hate for before we go over to RBs here well I'll, I'll say this I obviously I didn't mention much about Malik Willis and I do think if there's a place where he would be it would be a better fit for him than the team fit for the team it would be Pittsburgh with Willis. Um, just Bad from the stand, line, right? Let know, him run. Well, let him run. <laughs> let him throw short passes. Like if they kept a lot of the system, they're probably not going to. But if they kept a lot of the system they did with Roethlisberger the past couple of years, a lot of quick passing, let him be able to run. Um, I think the reason he's getting compared to Josh Allen is the hope that, you know, again, we're always looking for the outlier spectrum to be able to use that comparison. Right. But Willis, the difference was is that Allen would see situations and still try to make the throw. I don't think Willis was seeing the situations correctly in the first place. Okay. So I have real concerns about him. And as someone who had, you know, had Lamar Jackson as my number two quarterback overall um, in this class and, and before that, Russell Wilson as one of my top quarterbacks way back in the day, I've always been an advocate of guys who can use their legs to win as long as they were good in the pocket and were accurate throwers who saw the field well as throwers. And Malik Willis can scram, can run, but he can't scramble. He doesn't make good decisions as a scrambler. And I think there's a lot of work to be done with him. So he's going to get the opportunity if you're into getting the Jalen Hurts yardage early and hope that he grows from there. He's going to be worthwhile for you in fantasy. But if you're playing it safe, he's not the safe pick. I've said this before, like the first game I got to sit and actually watch him play was a game against Ole Miss. And the first drive, I'm texting my buddy. I'm like, I love him. He's going to be my number one quarterback. And by halftime, I'm like, I don't know if this guy gets drafted. I don't know what he's doing out there. He is crazy. <laughs> so like he offers, I think there specifically for fantasy he offers more upside than anybody else because of the running ability. Right. Uh, and the gun, like these are things you can't teach. You can work through processing and reading. And that's just a lot of practice, a lot of, you know, sitting and learning. I don't Obviously, know, empty vessel. It, it, yeah. A lot of times you come yeah. in and, and you want a guy to learn, but he just can't, you know, uh, there's Cordell Stewart. I feel like is a perfect example. I mean, Cordell Stewart also had like 150 offensive coordinators in six years in Pittsburgh. Can, but, yeah. I mean, you can teach someone to probably have the, the comedic stylings of 
of, I don't know, certain people, (laughs) you know, but you probably can't teach them to be Robin Williams. Right. You you know, and we're looking for Robin Williams, you know, let's face it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's only 32 of these jobs in the world. So only, you know, 32 people should be able to do them. And we don't have 32 that are good enough to start. We just don't. So, uh, you know, there are starters, but a lot of them shouldn't be. Uh, Before we go to running backs, let me tell you guys about Reality Sports Online. And by now, most of you have probably heard of Reality Sports Online, the powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team like an NFL general manager. But the question is, have you tried it? It's time to go see what all the buzz in the dynasty community is about. Free agency, multi-year contracts, a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first round, rookie options, automated contract and salary camp functionality, and much, much more. Think it sounds complicated? It's not. The best thing about Reality Sports Online uh, Fantasy Front Office is that it doesn't take any more time than a standard league. It just requires more strategy. Uh, Think you're among the fantasy elite? Well, this is the platform to test your metal. Still not sure? You can test our general manager skills for free, FRWE, and a mock free agency auction. If you like what you see, use the code FANTASYPROS to to receive a 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. All right, let's go over to running backs. And I'm uh, particularly interested in running backs uh, because this is a... This is a different class. I would say there's a couple guys at the top that in terms of evaluators and scouts and from what everyone I've heard, it seems like Brees Hall, Kenny Walker are the top two that are going to get drafted. This almost never works the the way that the media thinks it's going to when you get to the actual draft. I think Najee being drafted first last year was just obvious. After that, it kind of was a cascade. A couple years ago, everyone thought Clyde Edwards-Alaire was like number four on the board. He ends up going number one. It just depends on what a team is looking for a lot with running backs. And the overall you know, want for a running back in the first, second round has gone way down because there's so many successful RBs that are drafted uh, past the second round or past even day two. So, Matt, when we're looking at this running back class, is it Hall and Walker and everybody else, or do you have different guys up at the tippy top? Well, I mean, I think this is a strong class. It's just a weak market. Um, So I actually like this class a lot, but Hall and Walker are the top two guys for me. And it's not even close, um, you know, for me on the standpoint of anybody else that would be in that range. I mean, Isaiah Spiller may not be fast, but he's quick enough. Um, and, and he's more than quick enough to be able to be an NFL, um, starting running back. Um, but Hall and Walker guys who can play pretty much in any system or will eventually learn to be good in any system. They both catch the ball very well. Um, they understand how to use their feet. They understand the, the different, um, blocking schemes that, and how to set them up with patience and how to manipulate defenders and they can carry the ball all game long. They're physical football players, either in terms of being able to handle the physicality of the game, um, as well as being able to dish it out a little bit as well. Hall reminds me a little bit of a, you know, guys that he's a blend of different guys, but think Matt Forte and LaShawn McCoy wrapped up into a package that that has a little bit of a gate like Robert Smith, the old Vikings running back. You yeah. know, he has that kind of, he has those moments of agility, the speed, the stop-start quickness, and he kind of glides, you know, when he gets into the open field. Um, Kenneth Walker reminds me very much of 
two former or one current Ravens back who reminded me of a former Ravens back, <laughs> which is um, J.K. Dobbins and Ray Rice. You know, he's he's around the same dimensions, um, very fast, um, very quick, and uses that quickness extremely well to set up blocks. Um, and he has the the kind of contact balance you're looking for from a back with a low center of gravity. Um, both players, to me, um, are are easily the backs you're going to want to shoot for at the top of your board. Yeah. And uh, Fitz, you've got uh Holland Walker at the top. I know you like Spiller too. Is he in that group for you as well? Or is he slightly behind Holland Walker for you? Slightly behind. Uh, he's fallen back. And I like, I'm not totally down on him because of the slower 40 time. And it's not like a disqualifying. Like, Wasn't a Weidermeyer. 40 time. 40 time. Right, right, right. It was not, you know, the, the Quintiz Cephas uh, 40 time that almost, you know, knocks a guy out of the entire draft. But um, yeah, so he, I do think I agree with Matt that that Walker and Hall are sort of a cut above. And I think Spiller is like a, a little bit below those guys. But I'm I'm curious, Matt, like so we know that probably there will not be any first round running backs taken and that Hall and, and Walker are probably likely to go in the first half of round two. Are, are there guys that you would bet on getting into day two of the draft that you think NFL teams are going to recognize that these guys belong in the second or third rounds and, uh, you know, count on them as as near locks to go on day two? I'd, I'd say that of the three guys that will get that opportunity, they're all big school guys. Spiller is one of them. Um, I think he could be a very good fit in an outside zone scheme, um, a wide zone scheme, which is the rage now in the league. So fortunately, he won't have to run as much counter as he did at Texas A&M because he seemed to make fundamental mistakes with how you set up those types of blocks, thinking he can out-athlete people um, a little bit too much. And that's what brought him down a little bit for me. But he really has a great feel for footwork, and I think he's someone that will wind up being picked by an outside zone team that likes what he can do in that scheme. Um, and he's a guy that can carry the ball all day long. Brian Robinson's another one. He's really improved throughout his career at Alabama. And you can sit and say, well, he never started, but then you just can look at the names of the players that he sat behind for the past, what, four years? Um, maybe, you know, that, and he's had this oil behind, um, there's good reason for that. And that doesn't make him a bad running back. Um, he's, you know, six two two twenty five. He's gotten really better at how to, you know, first of all, he's improved his suddenness and speed. So he's gotten a little quicker, but he's also very good with, you know, the, the footwork to set up creases. He's someone that has legitimate closeout power, you know, that power to close out games um, and run through people. He has excellent hands, soft hands in the passing game. I don't think he's necessarily Derrick Henry, you know, incarnate type of player, but think about Larry Johnson back with the Chiefs. <laughs> and he reminds me a lot in build, in quickness, and in terms of what he can do. I went back and watched some Larry Johnson. Hopefully not on Twitter. You know. Yeah, but there you go. <laughs> but but I watched some Larry Johnson, and there are some similarities to their games that bear out. And you know, you put him behind a team that wants to run the football, even if it's from, you know, um, from pistol, and he can he's shown he can run from pistol. So that's second guy, and the third guy maybe I don't think he's gonna 
being in that time, but maybe in the third round, you know, day two, still late third round, Zamir White of Georgia. Um, and mainly because he is competent as a receiver and blocker, not quite as good as Robinson at this stage, but he's going to get better. He's a very tough, efficient runner who, with the straight line speed and the pad level you want to, to get the tough yards, but also be able to win in tight crease situations that you need to win in the NFL. And he has a work ethic that people just absolutely have fallen in love with. Um, and the fact that you play for a national championship team that you've, you know, that you, you play top teams and your film looks good against them. And the fact that he gets the little bump, because as much as they like to tell you that the 40 times not as important to them, you, you know, we know that they're lying, you know, they're, <laughs> you know, even if it's, tr it shouldn't be, they are lying because he runs a four, four, they're going to, he's that elevated his stock a little bit. And, and you know, I, I even say that I don't like the combine that much because I think it, uh, you know, it does a couple things. Number one, it's stuff like Kenny Pickett's hands. Uh, I didn't ask you about that, Matt, but let, 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 let me ask you that real quick. Hand measurements and things. Do you even care about that stuff or is that just eye rolling? No, I care about it to the extent that if I were a team that played in the elements that and then I would want to. I would want to look at that and then just go back and look at more tape. It's just a layer of information. Now, the the fun thing is you look at that and go, Kenny Pickett, can he play in a can he play in Pittsburgh? You know, yeah. I, people even asking Brady that Quinn. question. Yeah, he, yeah. I saw Brady Quinn can, got it asked. Yeah. Like, if we only had a sample size of him in Heinz Field. Yeah, you know? exactly. Exactly. So I mean, those types of things get ridiculous. But right. it, as layers of information go, yeah, you look at the combine to say it's hard to judge speed just with the naked eye. Right. So, you know, I use different markers of how I do that and, and it's gotten better as I've gone doing it, but still I'm looking at the comment cause I'm thinking this guy could be a, this guy could be a player who runs in the four, fours, four, fives. And then I see him running a four, six, five, or he runs a four, three, but I didn't think he had good acceleration. Deandre Swift was a great example of that. Where yeah, I was like, okay. I bet he's got great acceleration, but he doesn't have great speed. When it actually turned out he had great, he had great speed, but his acceleration wasn't good. And, but then that makes sense. Cause when you go back and watch it, you realize, Oh, it takes him so long to get up to his top speed that he's always getting chased down. So it's, it's the fact is, is that he's never going to reach that top tier unless he's in wide open field. And so you just have to kind of, you just use it as a layer of information to go back and okay. watch things. Okay. Um, now, uh, the, these running backs uh, fits. I I love Brees Hall. You know, I watched him tear up the Longhorns uh, for a couple of years, so I knew he was going to be good. Um, I, I Kenny Walker, obviously, just it, what really impressed me. The game that put me over the top on him because I just wasn't sure. You know, big transfer, I believe, from Wake Forest uh, before going over to Michigan State was the Michigan game where he like in the fourth quarter they're down and they're still handing him the ball and he is just blowing guys up i mean it was just so much fun to watch that game um uh, and then the second tier of spiller robinson and white uh I, I like all of these guys i think it's hard to suss out uh the the backs after like spiller so robinson and white have definitely been moving up people's boards uh white more for his 40 time because he's a guy that kind of lost a little steam came into georgia as a five-star prospect right and then 
James Cook kind of took over a little bit, but I, I like James Cook a lot too. I think they're both good. Brian Robinson, kind of the same deal. You're at Alabama, but there's a thousand five-star prospects, especially at running back for Alabama. So you're not going to get the full workload. And he still did get most of the workload. So I, I do like all these guys. Your thoughts on uh, any of these top guys here? Yeah, uh, I just want to mention the the Brian Robinson thing because I think it seems like a lot of fantasy analysts do not have him as one of their top five running backs in this class. And I think I can't remember Bogman whether it was you or Cody Carpentier who brought it up when we did our our two round Superflex mocks um, that like this is a guy NFL teams are going to like more than fantasy analysts because of the size, the yeah. size and and the production at the the highest level of college football and uh, like. They're going to be a lot of fantasy analysts forced to reassess their position on Brian Robinson after he goes on day two. And I I agree with what you guys are saying on him. Um, Matt, one one guy uh, you haven't mentioned yet, and I feel like he's maybe a day two candidate because uh, what he's capable of, of providing in the passing game is Rashad White's. Are you a fan of his? Not as much as most people. Um, in fact, I would say people are going to look at my ranking and think that I hate him. So um, now that I've scrolled far down enough to see where he was, um, he reminds me of Darren McFadden and I was not a Darren McFadden fan either. Um, He catches the ball really well. I don't think he runs with the physicality and wisdom befitting the status that's been given to him as a prospect. Um, He's a, you know, when you're running back and you are, heading towards a crease and the crease is open to enter. And there's a running back or a safety on the other side, waiting flat footed for you. You keep heading down that crease because they're not heading for you. They're just flat footed waiting on you. Yeah. You drop the pads, right? Or you make a move and then drop the pads, whatever it is. You, you take that man on. That's your, that's basically your mismatch to handle. He runs away from it consistently and ends up losing, leaving more yards on the field. He doesn't seem to understand how to use his pads as well as he should. Um, And he tries to bounce too many plays outside. Um, I feel like that when I watch his game, the, the logic of what you should be doing to read defenses is not completely there. And that it's going, when the holes become tighter, he's going to have more issues. So he's still a guy that I have listed as a, what I would call a, a contributor, someone who you can put into a lineup and use in situational football and give you production, which could spell out to six to eight touches per game early in his career and then grow from there. But I'll just say that there are almost a couple dozen running backs that I like more pre-draft right now in terms of what they've put out on tape. Let's uh, let's talk about some of those guys that you do like, because, uh, you know, I, I like Rashad White uh, a little bit. I just think that he's he's a guy that, you know, if given the opportunity could produce. But like you said, you know, these nuances need to be fixed. They're not always fixed, you know, uh, and running back careers are so short that if you don't fix it like year one, it's probably not getting fixed. So the the more issues you see with these guys, I understand the the lower they're going to go. But who who else do you like? Because, I mean, like we said, no one's going day one at, at running back, most likely. Uh, maybe someone will sneak back up into the first and take a haul or a walker or somebody, but probably not. Uh, like you said, the market is bad. The talent is good. Um, 
So the day two guys we have are uh, the guys we just talked about. Hall, Walker, Spiller, Robinson, and White. You would say uh, Zamir White. Rashad White is probably a day three guy. Who else do you think is going to go in day three and you see a lot of meat on the bone in terms of production for them? A smart team would trade up to get Kennedy Brooks early in the fourth round or late Kennedy in the Brooks. third round. Kennedy Brooks is, um, to me, the most patient runner in this class. Um, he has a very subtle understanding of conceptual skills that you find in, a light, in elite backs. This is a guy that really sets up angles unbelievably well, which allows him to break a lot of tackles that you would not expect a running back to be able to do. He reads the, the line pre-snap and understands the box counts and knows when how to set up those cutbacks or where to run based on what he's seen pre-snap and early post-snap. There are a lot of running backs, even early on in their pro careers, who don't know how to do that. Um, you know, I've talked to De DeMarco Murray before he got drafted and asked him what was it like transitioning in Oklahoma after being a, a huge megastar early in his career and then getting hurt. And he said the biggest thing was understanding that everybody was as good or better of an athlete than I was. And I couldn't out athlete people. And, and it seemed have, like for Brooks, I mean, I'm just I'm a Texas fan, so I watch a lot of Oklahoma, too. It, it seemed like Oklahoma tried to replace him a bunch of times and never could. He was always getting on the field. Pretty much the case. And they've had some pretty good running backs go to the NFL. Yeah. And I would and you know, with the fact that DeMarco Murray would say now as his coach, he goes, he, you know, it doesn't look like he's much, but he just continues to make yards where you just wouldn't expect that he would. And that's because if you really break down running back play, he understands how how to set things up. And his combine was actually quite good for what you would expect for more than what you would have have expected from him the way he's described. Because a four five nine forty is not bad, actually. You know, everyone wants a four three out of a running back, but some of the best backs ever ran four six, four six five. I remember, um, I think it was Arian Foster who ran a four seven two. It's about the twenty shuttle and the three cone drill, and his four four isn't bad in the shuttle. Seven in the three cone drill, thirty six inch vertical leap. There's enough explosion there, and if you know how to set it up. You know, you can be Anthony McFarland and not know how to set up a play. Um, and then I and I remember watching one a couple couple years ago against the Steelers, where I go, I wonder what Frank Gore would do. And and I kid you not, I turned on the Frank the the game first two plays of the game. The first play they hand the Gore was the exact same play that McFarland screwed up and lost yardage, and Gore gained fifteen. Old yeah. Frank Gore, old Frank Gore that fantasy people hate now. You know, that, you know, that, that guy, the, you know, who probably runs a four, eight forty. you know? So it's, you know, Frank Kennedy good, um, Brooks to me is an interesting guy because he might give you, he might give you that James white type of thing in one offense where they don't use him as a full-time back, but he still has, gives you a high volume of production or he could be a Bilal Powell plus type of guy, which is more of a, he gives you that James White-esque type of production, but more so in the run game too, and maybe even gives you more starter stuff. Keontae Ingram, I'm a big fan of. Um, you know, out of te te former Texas, five-star Texas guy, USC. I know some of the some of the Texas guys have a little sour taste about Keontae Ingram, maybe. I, but you know what? I don't. I, I always good. like he ain't Bijan. Like Bijan no. is going to be amazing, but uh, Keontae Ingram, uh, you know, he's got great straight line speed. He's a grinder. I like. I always liked him. Yeah, I'll put it this way: Cleveland Browns fans, um, you know, would say, you know, Ke Kareem Hunt ain't Nick Chubb. 
but Kareem Hunt still might be as good as as maybe any 10 running backs that you would put out on a field in the NFL. Well, Conte Ingram doesn't, you know, is unbelievably quick, very nimble, great contact balance, great solutions in, you know, in tight quarters, catches the ball well. He reminds me of basically an aspiring Kareem Hunt, which tells me he's about on par with Chris Ivory. Think about Chris Ivory when he had a chance to be a starter but kept getting hurt, but has that kind of relentless style, smart between the tackles, um, not an excellent back, but could be a very good one. I think he's he everything I healthy. thought Ronald Jones was going to be, you know, that, oh, did, that didn't pan out. So. Yeah. If you, he's, he's, he's basically two thirds of Ronald Jones athletic ability, but Ronald Jones is about half of Keontae Ingram's conceptual skills for the position. Yeah. Is there anybody, how, how about how much did Kyron Williams lose? From running that slow 40. Uh, he's undersized guy. I know a lot of Gio Bernard comps for Kyron Williams. Is he a guy you even liked and running that four slow, that, that 40 so slow? I mean, that just sunk his his draft stock. I kind of did. I don't usually do this type of thing like on purpose, but with a couple of people I know, I said, please keep this, please keep this DM as a receipt or this post <laughs> as a receipt that Kyron Williams is going to be much slower than you expect um, when you see him at the combine. Um, and I had Kyron, I didn't have Kyron Williams in my top 20 running backs or 25 running backs to begin before the combine when I did, before I did my last review of stuff and um, I can't find him. He's yeah, he's, he's, in, he's not even, he's barely in my top 40. Um, and he reminds me a lot of Tavion. Is it Tavion Williams who was the, Travion the, Williams? Travion the, Williams, yeah, Travion Williams, yeah, A and M back. It's like you know, very productive in college, very good running back um, in, in in certain ways. But beyond the speed, the the acceleration was a big problem. He got caught by linebackers who you know that were slower than what you would see from even big linebackers in the NFL. So the fact that he couldn't get into that third level without a confluence of great factors happening, like you'll watch the Carolina game and see that like 97 yard run. If you go back and watch that, get that you'll understand why he's not that fast. And that would be a good <laughs> education on how you one way, some of the markers you should look at to judge speed. Um, but he's a very good pass protector. He catches the ball. Well, he has some nice movement as a route runner. If he can um, refine that. So it's not all playground because the practice stuff on the playground is more playground stuff. You know, you need to be able to get to your spot on time. Um, right. And he runs to open space rather than running to open leverage. And that's where most people get it wrong with running backs is they see these guys who can find open space and they get to the open space. But really it's like anticipation with the quarterback. You anticipate where the ball needs to be based on what doesn't look open, but it's going to break open. You have to do the same thing as a runner. You got to set up things that don't look open until you hit the hole. And then it starts to break and op open as you hit that hole. And Kyron Williams doesn't have that skill. He, he tries to run open space and winds up running into um, men who infiltrate that open space <laughs> as he gets there. Uh, Fitz, is there any other running back on the list here that you want to ask Matt about? Cause I mean, there's so many good ones. I still like cook. Uh, I know Damian Pierce got a lot of buzz. Who, who do you want to ask Matt about here? There's one guy, Matt, I know almost nothing about because I've only seen a few highlight snippets because I don't watch that much South Dakota State Jackrabbit football. <laughs> so uh, tell me about Pierre Strong Jr. Yeah, it was hard to find tape on that dude. I'll have to uh, I have to say I'm glad I got to. But he 
to me, if the if the Dolphins want to just like get one more back for their backfield, um, and it would make sense for them to do so when I give this comparison, is that they they need to get a guy who can um, be a redundancy plan to Raheem Mostert if Raheem Mostert gets hurt yet again, um, because yes. he's very much like Raheem Mostert in terms of size, in terms of his speed, his skill with being able to hit a hole with intensity. Um, very good with he'll appeal to the wide zone systems. And I think that he's someone that can grow into the role. He has some footwork issues where he slips a lot because he's not balanced in terms of how he cuts. He has to fix that. Um, his pad level can get a little Kevin um, Tevin Coleman-like, which is not great, which is in the sense of that you're so far over your pads that you could run into a guy 25 pounds lighter than you and look like you ran into a brick wall. Um, so, and you have the one with the momentum. So he has to kind of fix those things, but the speed is, is really, is really good. The, the wide zone fit will be good for him. And I think that at the very least, he should be a productive contributor within a couple of years, but he has the upside to become a lead back. Man, I I love that one. Let me um. So I I want to run through a couple. I know we're uh running. we'll make them quick. Yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, so this this is in terms of just fantasy. So uh, I'm gonna give you three options on on, on these guys, and I'll I'll blow through a bunch of them. In out or landing spot, like like, and I know landing spot is yeah. kind of an out, but but that's I mean, okay. Th- th- yeah, th- there there are a lot of guys that really depend on landing spot. So um, James Cook from Georgia, uh, obviously brother of Dalvin Cook. Uh, I I love him, uh, but I do think a lot uh, depends on where he goes. Uh, What do you think of James Cook? In in the general sense of PPR leagues, um, in terms of starter caliber numbers, we can week out landing spot. Uh, How about um, how about Jerome Ford from Cincinnati? I'm in. You, you you're in for Just, sure. Yeah, I'm in. Is it the straight line speed? Because it, it seems it seems pretty solid from him. To me, it's the whole part of his game. I think he runs hard. He makes defenders miss in traffic, catches the ball well, and has enough speed to flip the field. And I think he's a little underappreciated in this class. I think you know if Julia Julius Jones were better with the Dallas Cowboys, um, I think Jerome Ford would be a better version of that, or maybe not quite as good as Pete Cadillac Williams, but somewhere. Somewhere between those two guys is where I'm Daddy Williams. Uh, these Matt Waldman comps are just fantastic. I love them. I'm I, glad I you love them because I'm <laughs> listen, I'm old and I like play I've watched all these guys and I'm gonna use it. I just don't it's care. great, man. When someone weird sparks in your head that people aren't thinking yes. of, I mean, you've mentioned Bilal Powell and Chris Irie, who thought the you know Jets 2010 running backs were gonna get run on this show today. So uh, or whatever year it was, you know. Uh it, it, it's uh I, I love the the out of left field comp. Uh, Damian Pierce from Florida probably got the most um, helium in terms of running backs that didn't have a lot coming into the process. This is a guy that, you know, another situation at Florida, you know, tons of talent at Florida wasn't the only running back they used, but um, kind of like Kennedy Brooks to me, they just kept trying to replace him and he kept not getting replaced at Florida. Are you in on uh, Damian Pierce? I'm in as a mid round guy, like Middle after end. round okay. two. Uh, how about Tyler Algier from BYU? Another guy that, uh, you know, it, it's it's a lot. And I understand the process here. Uh, a lot of it is the scouts are doing so much in season. They don't have a lot of time to watch the tape. So when they get back to the tape, uh, you know, 
in early January when their team is out or late January when their team is out that, you know, you start hearing buzz about these guys and Beatty or Beatty, uh, Algier seems to be, uh, one of the guys are, are you liking Algier or not so much? I'm completely out on Tyler Algier. Uh, I, I, he played in his own scheme, which people will like, but I think he really has difficulty with angles in terms of a ball carrier, understanding what angles he actually can beat with his athletic ability and which angles he can't. And that also extends to how he, what angles he can meet as a pass protector. And when you don't have a good gauge for angles as a running back, you know, that means that I, I, I this may get too like Sigmund Bloom on the couch, you know, <laughs> for this, but you know, I'm going to go out there for this and, and just say that Tyler Algier was a wonderful story because he was a walk on and played linebacker. Right. He's obviously an overachiever. He's obviously he's gotten here because I can't try keep I can't try hard enough. I'm going to have to keep, you know, and I think that, and you fought, have that mentality of there's nothing I can't do if I try hard enough. Well, Tyler, you, you may not be able to beat certain angles just by trying. Um, <laughs> and I think that that's part of where his game is, is that he has to learn where his limitations are. Um and I don't think he understands that inherently. And I think it'll be hard to fix. Um, a couple more for you here. Uh, the other Tyler, Tyler Batty from Missouri, Beatty Batty. I'm not sure which one it is. I'm, I'm in on him as a, um, you know, I'm in on him as maybe a slightly better version of Edo Smith, but I'm not in on him the way a lot of people are in on him. The way people saw Edo Smith, I didn't like okay. Edo Smith, but the way people saw him, I think Beatty could wind up being that kind of guy but if you ask me this the sneaky the guy i'd rather have who's um essentially the same height and weight um and faster and more explosive and a and a better route runner is tyler goodson of iowa goodson okay yeah goodson you know i mean he's one of those guys i and i liked akram wadley coming out too you know some of these guys oh, just yeah. don't work out but uh it, they're uh these system backs but it's hard to know watching the film is this guy good or is he just behind a really really good offensive line because iowa constantly wisconsin another team uh usually those guys are higher prospects than well, iowa guys but but uh you know uh, there's a lot of guys at iowa that you look and are great but you just don't know i'll know? give you a quick thing someone i know very close to that program told me that goodson actually didn't benefit from iowa scheme very much because iowa has a very stern outlook of how you run wide zone which is stay on the front side and don't take any cutbacks. Okay. And Tyler Goodson is a very good cutback runner <laughs> who didn't, wasn't allowed to, to really be the cutback runner he could be. So I think he may not amount to anything. I mean, he's 20th on my board, but he may not amount to anything, but he's someone that I think could want, be a candidate to be better than he was in the college game Ooh. because of the fact that he, he's a good cutback player who was not allowed to be a cutback player teachable too i mean if you can do those strict things in that offense and not cut it back when that's your whole game uh then then absolutely i i got one more for you and then fits if you have any to ask uh please wrap us up here but kevin harris from south carolina and i i don't I don't think I've watched a ton of Kevin Harris um, successful guy in the SEC on a bad team in the SEC uh, usually uh, can garner you a little bit of love. And uh, we heard uh, Cody Carpentier uh, liked him. And I know a couple other evaluators are uh, in on Kevin Harris. Where are you on him? In all caps. 
In all caps. Wow. Okay, I like that. Uh, what is it about Harris's game that you love so much? Powerful. Um, and he has promising skills in the passing game and way more explosive than advertised. Um, and South Carolina, I, I, I'm saying this because I have high school coaches who write me from who are in South Carolina, who, who are very who have some connections, to that program. And I've said in the past that South Carolina has been this program for the past eight to 10 years that gets great athletes, but doesn't seem to figure out what to do with them because I think they, they basically get the athlete, but they're not coached up in the way that, that a lot of teams just don't coach up players and at the college level. And they have a rep as like being underachiever sometimes when they enter the league. But, um, Kevin Harris, they obviously wanted, they had a merry-go-round of backs there and some of them were pretty darn good. Um, and I think that Kevin Harris is the type of guy that he's in that spectrum to me of Cam Akers and Jamal Williams and Mike Davis, another South Carolina guy, guys who, if you put them as a lead back, they're going to give you borderline running back one production. It may, and if you, but if you put them in a committee, It'll be week to week, depending on what they give you. But you can see the talents there. Uh, Pat, please take this away from me, because I will sit here with Matt and ask him about every single one of these running backs on the list. And I know we don't have time for all that. So anybody else you have questions on? I really just have one more for Matt. And this is a guy I've seen in the top 20 or even top 15 for some fantasy people. And I've I've watched a lot of him and I'm not seeing it, but I'm not really uh, I don't really have that scouting eye. So Hassan Haskins. I wanted to see it. I really, really wanted to see it. Um, I think that he's he's rugged. I think the quickness is enough to contribute. And he's promising as a passing down guy in terms of his past catching. Um, but he reminds me more of like Daryl Williams than he reminds me of James Conner, if you catch my grift. Uh, my, so I would say that Haskins is just he's a contributor you know in this league i don't see him as being a stud player unless he just gets gets to be chester taylor behind a great offensive line in the way that taylor did with the vikings that one year you know way <laughs> back in the day before adrian peterson came and basically erased everybody's memory of what a running back looked like in minnesota um you know so too many ontario smith uh memories for oh yeah. the great wizenator yes <laughs> the wizenator so, that's yeah, right <laughs> he, well, he was a fine back too but yeah he was but uh but haskins haskins is an admirable player but i just don't I think that between the scheme that he ran and the decisions he made, his pad level needs to be fixed a little bit. He has some skills where this is an issue with Spiller to an extent in the open field. When you drop your pads, you need to have your hips aligned in the same direction as your pads. If your hips are moving to the sideline and your pads are heading downhill, um, I can probably knock you over. Um, you know, and so when a 52 year old man who's out of shape can knock you over um, backwards and, you know, because your hips aren't aligned, that's that has, you know, that's technique, not power. You got that David Boston imbalance, right, of the the chicken legs and the Adonis top half. I, I remember a lot of David Boston. All right. Before we let you go and um, uh, I just we're going to do wide receivers and tight ends tomorrow, but I think I'd be doing a disservice if I didn't ask you for just like two dart throw wide receivers and one tight end. If there's anyone just on your mind, if they land in a good spot, you're like, Ooh, I would really like to see 
X wide receiver, X tight end. So while we have you here, I just got to throw that in. Well, everybody, there's guys that everybody's talking about, but two guys, two guys that I really like at wide receiver, Khalil Shakir um, is to, to me, there is something there. There's some Deontay Johnson type of vibes with him and maybe even better um, than what Johnson has shown. Um, I think he can be something if he can just correct some certain flaws with his hands that Deontay Johnson also had um, that I think he can address. Um, and I think people are completely have completely shut their minds out to Justin Ross and have written him off. Well, he'll and be I, off team sports because of the neck thing. I'm sure that he probably will. But the fact that he came back from that and was cleared to play football and he played through a fifth metatarsal injury. Um, let's just put it to this way. He ran a four, five, six, 40 and people are going to go, oh, that's not all that great. And he only jumped 31 and a half inches. That just confirms he's not that much of an athlete. Let's go back. He played on a fifth metatarsal injury. The bone running from his pinky toe along the side of his foot was stress fractured and he played through it and shot up his shot himself up with Toradol pretty much all season until the last week in November when he got surgery. Usually it takes six to eight weeks to recover from surgery where you're completely immobilized from surgery. And that's if like you probably just broke it and went and got surgery, not that you broke it and then kept playing on it for all year and further screwed it up. So after eight weeks, let's say he had eight weeks, then he only had six weeks to get ready for the combine. Not to like, not to be, not to be like Garrett Wilson, who was healthy all year and then refine his combine numbers to a razor edge. No, come back from being immobilized for six weeks and playing hurt and come back and run a four, five, six. Yeah. He's going to come into a camp, I bet. And somebody who gets him goes, Oh my God, I think we got a steal. This guy is much more explosive than we thought. And he's just killing everybody. I think Justin Ross, if he had been healthy and played with a quarterback like Lawrence for his entire career, or someone maybe even two thirds as good as Lawrence, (laughs) um, he probably would be one of the top two to three receivers in this class unquestioned. And I, so I like those guys. And then I will say, um, you know, at tight end, I'll just give you a, I think Cole Turner out of Nevada, everyone talks about Romeo dubs as like the go-to guy for Carson strong. Cole Turner's the guy who was getting thrown the back shoulder plays low and away, high and away in the red zone against tight coverage in the middle of the field and made them over and over and over. He was my second round pick in like all my CFF leagues last year. Nice job because (laughs) I I don't know if he's going to get drafted in the first two days, But I think that he'll wind up being a contributor on a team who has the upside because this tight end class, I'll just say quickly is, you know, for the NFL, the Jeremy Ruckerts of the world are going to get higher picks, Daniel Bellinger's, but it's guys like Cole Turner and, and Curtis Hodges who might be more intriguing for fantasy players on day three and see where they grow from there. Uh, Fitz, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to end this without you getting a, a last question in for Matt. So if you got anything for him, let, let's hear it before uh, we let him go here. I don't think I really do as far as the wide receivers and tight ends. Uh, but Matt, uh, before we let you go, I, I know you, uh, had mentioned a, uh, GoFundMe campaign that you were, uh, involved with. Could you talk about that for a minute? 
Yeah. You know, I, I don't normally do this. I don't think I've ever done this in the 17 years I've been doing the RSP or the 20 plus years I've been in fantasy industry. Um, but there was a, there's a guy who's active subscriber and, you know, no, numerous fantasy sites, big, you know, very long-term fantasy nut who wrote me who's 75 year old man by the name of John Hodgins. He worked at Modesto County hospital for about 25 years, has a family, um, and retired. And unfortunately he and his wife were victims of a violent crime at the house they were renting, um, to a home invasion. And it pretty much wrecked their life. Um, because although the assailant, he came in at gunpoint, fractured his skull, you, you know, um, shot up the place. And while the gunman has sent to prison for 22 years, while the justice was done on that end of it, as we, anyone who's been victim of a violent crime knows that, you know, the fallout from the crime can be sometimes as bad or worse than the crime itself. And he ended up getting kicked out of his house because the, 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 the landlord was like, I got to, I'm going to sell this house. I'm out. And, and basically they got, they had to leave. And they had a nest egg, you know, you're 75 years old, you left work, you have some health problems now at that point, your wife has health problems. And he tried to do things himself. Um, but, you know, he has kidney disease, he's got, you know, he's had all these issues that they've had, they've been living out of cars, they've been living out of, you know, homeless shelters, they've now they're living in a dilapidated trailer, trying to do it themselves for the past three years. And he reached out and just asked, about maybe spreading the word about his GoFundMe account. Um, and so, you know, this is around the Super Bowl. And, you know, so far we've been able to raise about half of his goal. Um, but I, you know, you can go to my site, mattwaldmanrsp.com, um, and you can look at, say, the the Carson Strong site. And I'll have some things posted on Twitter at Matt Waldman, dot, at Matt Waldman on Twitter, where you can find the GoFundMe. Um, and so that you can you can check it out. Um, but its name is John Hodgins, J-O-H-N-H-O-D-G-I-N-S. And you can probably find his GoFundMe account with his name um, and read about it and at least share. You know, if you're not going to donate, at least share. Um, I know he's extremely grateful for what people have sent thus far. And just from reading his story and seeing the police reports and seeing like this, I know it's legit. And I can tell that he's the type of guy that I think of my father's that age. And I think of someone who worked 20 years helping other people um, and then trying to help themselves. And he's, and you know, and on top of it, he has a mentally ill daughter who he's trying to, it's adult age, who he's trying to get back into that area so they can have a, a base. So everyone can be kind of settled and help themselves. So, you know, even the smallest amount will be more than what they could imagine um, in terms of any type of assistance you could provide. Thank you. Uh, that, that, I mean, uh, and thank you for helping other people, Matt, that that's huge. You know, uh, also on that note, we want to give our, uh, you know, condolences to our guy, Gary Davenport oh, yeah. uh, at IDP sharks. Um, you know, we had him on a couple of weeks ago, his brother, uh, suddenly passed away. So our condolences to our friend Gary as well. Uh, Matt on the business front, uh, obviously the rookie scouting profile is coming out. Uh, is it the first that it's coming out and, um, uh, where can people get it? And I've already bought it. So, uh, you got me, I'm on the hook. So, uh, where can people find it and what all is entailed in it? Sure. You can get the rookie scouting portfolio at mattwaldmanrsp.com. Um, and it is available. It will be available April 1st for download. You'll get a, you, you can get it for 2195. It comes with a pre-draft that, that will be available um, April 1st and then post-draft a week after the draft. 
And basically what you get pre-draft is my, me laying out my entire process that is one of the um, most purchased um, independent draft guides that you're going to find by NFL scouts visiting facilities, according to um, recruiting directors that I talked to, like Alex Brown of SMU, um, you know, and so you get a process that's laid out that gives you rankings on all the criteria that I use, how I define everything, how I weight everything, overrated, underrated players, rankings, cheat sheet tables based on different ways that I score them so that you can kind of break things down in a fun way. And it gives you real evergreen content for redraft and dynasty leagues when people go, well, I know this guy was drafted in the fifth round, but suddenly he's making noise. Who's this? Well, you'll read about him in the, in the RSP. The post-draft gives you um, really more of a fit analysis, a depth chart analysis of all the veterans along with the current um, rookie, where I think they'll fit the, some of the cap analysis that will help you understand why they were probably drafted and what that looks like in the next two to three years, as well as a tiered rankings sheet that gives you the difference between my rankings of them post-draft versus the current ADP. So, you, you know, when I say, look, Nick Chubb's the best running back in this class. I don't care about Saquon Barkley. He's number two, um, you know, but you can get Nick Chubb probably around and a half early later than you can get Saquon Barkley and wind up just as happy as that. I'm calculating why that's the case. And so you get a shorthand that says, yeah, forget, um, forget um, these guys. Patrick Mahomes, you can get in the middle of the second round or in the late first round, as opposed to the early first round, get him as opposed to these guys, because this is the difference. Or if you, I don't like this guy, but if you insist, at least draft him here where you can maximize your value a little bit. This is the bottom range of where you can probably get him. So I show things like that as well as a newsletter and um, that I throughout the year that gives you rankings, updates. Um, for the past three years of um, classes and um, updates on players that I'm studying for the 2023 season. And I, I also donate a percentage of those funds to an organization called Darkness to Light, um, up to about $5,000 every year. We've raised over $50,000 since we've done this. Um, um, and Darkness to Light is an organization dedicated to preventing sexual abuse of children through educational programs of you know individuals, schools, um, municipal organizations, government, you know, um, businesses, and helping them understand not only how to prevent it and see the signs of um, activity that might that might lead to that, as well as to how to handle it when a child reports it, so you don't create further compound the 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 trauma that children go through um, that can be just as damaging when that happens. And April first does mark Child Abuse Prevention Month, um, so. Um, you know, it's great that, uh, you know, the RSP comes out on that date, um, that they're able to donate to, to such a fine cause. And you can find out more about them at D2L.org. And speaking of your process, by the way, if you guys are watching on the Fantasy Pros YouTube channel, uh, Matt has this whiteboard in the background that makes him look like a mad scientist that I have just enjoyed <laughs> the entire show as well. So uh, if, if you guys want to check out our YouTube, that, that I mean, that's an easy plug for the YouTube right there is to see uh, your your board behind you. But uh, Fitz at Fitz underscore FF, what do you got coming up this week in terms of where you're going to be and where people can find you? Yeah, we are just spit shining the Dynasty draft kit, which is yep. going to be out in a matter of days. So that's going to be a big thing for the Dynasty players who cannot get enough of uh, this is like their time of year. 
um, you know, kind of a dead time in the calendar while we're waiting right. for the rookie drafts. But uh, the dynasty players are wheeling and dealing, so they're going to enjoy this kit, I believe. Yeah, I uh, just wrapped up and sent off my IDP uh, profiles for the draft kit as well. A lot of good. I mean, this is it's a defense heavy draft, right? So if you play IDP, uh, you're going to enjoy the defensive side of the ball way, way more while you're watching the game. So it is something I suggest for everyone uh, playing fantasy football. But you can find me at Bogman Sports. I'm doing all my normal stuff. Hell week is over for us at In This League. So back to the normal two uh, baseball shows a week. Uh, I will have a uh, war room out this week as well. Uh, you can find me here. I'll be doing a mock for the, uh, fan the Fantasy Pros Fantasy Football Show, the regular one. We'll be doing a first-round mock over there as well. Uh, CFB Winning Edge. Um, you know, sports grade, you can find me all over the place. Just check out my Twitter at Bogman sports. And, uh, that is everything for us this week. Next week, we'll be doing wide receivers and tight ends. So we will see you guys then take it easy, everybody. Thanks for listening to the fantasy pros dynasty football podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at fantasy pros and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasy pros. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. We've got hybrids, no plug All needed. Right, let's go. But we also have plug-in hybrids, if that's your thing. <laughs> you can even go 100% electric in the Toyota BZ4X. With so many options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified, diversified. Oh, oh, oh. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero.